2: From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason, you can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1, and it's time for Chronicles of Nania. so for that we welcome in our resident stat geek at TurnOnTheJets.com, Gangrene Nation, Elite Sports New York, and Yard Barker, and a guy who is well known for his penchant for hidden production, Michael Nania. What's going on, Michael?
1: Not too much, I'm just enjoying this blowout win. We do not get a lot of these... As Jets fans so it, you got to enjoy it's not often when you're a Jets fan that it's the third quarter there's eight minutes left and you're kind of just you know waiting out the game like already finished with watching just kind of the energy's out and not because you're getting blown out or because you know all this ridiculous stuff has happened but because the Jets have already got the game wrapped up
2: Michael let's start with the quarterback Sam Darnold wow did he have himself a day he has been putting up some stellar numbers lately
1: Yeah, so you just look at his standard numbers over the last three games. He's 58 of 89, 838 yards. That's 9.4 per attempt, which is incredibly good. Seven passing touchdowns. Uh, The two rushing touchdowns, one against the Giants and one this past week uh, against the Raiders. Only one interception, which came against the Redskins. And overall, he's got a 117.2 pass rating, which over his past three games is second in the league to only the incredible Lamar Jackson, who's way ahead of him and anyone else right now. But second to Lamar Jackson over his past three games in passer rating. But, you know, as we talked about a lot on here, there are a lot of different ways you can slice up the positive things he's done, a lot of different ways to split it in terms of, you know, passing yards, qualifiers, passing attempts, yards per attempt, whatever. But uh, the bottom line is that he is really stacking up these good performances now. Yesterday or uh, Sunday was his uh, fourth career game with over 300 passing yards on at least eight yards per attempt. That ties him with Peyton Manning for the most ever before turning 23 years old. It was a sixth game with over 250 yards and a 100-plus passer rating, the most ever before turning 23 years old. And over the last two games, he actually had over 120 passer rating and over 290 passing yards in each of these past two games against the Raiders and the Redskins. He's the youngest player ever to do that in back-to-back games at 22 years and 172 days. And he's also the first player to do that three times before turning 23 years old, as he did against the Packers last season. As well, and now this is uh, his third consecutive week. I believe he was seventh or fourth in QBR this week with this game. So this was his third consecutive game ranking top ten for the week in QBR. That's tied with Baker Mayfield for the second most or second longest active streak in the league, ranking top ten in QBR. Only Lamar Jackson is ahead of them. He's done it six weeks in a row, which is just incredible. But Darnold Mayfield tied behind him for most consecutive games active. Uh, ranking top 10 for the week in QBR. And also, and put, to put him with some more elite company, just a, a stat that he doesn't have the record in, but just puts him uh, with some elite company, the game against the Raiders was Donald's fifth career game with over 280 passing yards and 110 pass rating. It was his 21st career start, so uh, only four other guys have done that five times or more over their first 21 career starts. Dan Marino did it five times, Tony Romo seven times, Kurt Warner eight times, Patrick Mahomes 11 times, those are the only guys to do that as many times or more than Darnold did—280 yards and 110 passer rating over their first 21 starts. So p- puts him in some great company there. And really, through you know most of these, he was with some great company. But you know, as we talked about a lot, there are an infinite number of ways you could slice it up. But the bottom line is that he is really stacking up these high volume, high efficiency performances at a really good rate now uh, here in the early part of his career. And you know, outside of that New England game you know he's really been uh, progressing this season he's had uh, just overall been more productive than he was on the whole last season continuing what he was doing over that final four stretch uh, last season when he led the league in qbr uh, after coming back from injury so uh, he's definitely starting to show that progression and you know the defenses he's play- uh, been playing have been weak you know uh, this is uh, this game against the raiders was the uh, fourth game in a seventh game stretch against bottom uh, 10 i uh, bottom 10 DVOA defenses, so obviously he's not playing the toughest competition right now. But you know, there's still a bar to clear against these bad teams. You want him to prove that you know he can dominate them and he can beat them uh, with consistency. To be a Super Bowl team, you got to really be able to beat you know 75, 80 percent of the losing teams that you face. And Oakland's not a losing team, but you know they could end up as one. They continue playing like this, but the bottom line is you got to be able to beat up on the bad competition. If you're going to win divisions, if you're going to make the playoffs, uh, get yourself home field advantage in the playoffs. Going to be top quarterback in the league, you got you have to be able to beat up on the teams you're supposed to be able to beat up on. And against the Jaguars and Dolphins a couple weeks ago, Darnold wasn't able to do that. But three games in a row now, he's been you know very very good against three teams that he absolutely should be able to be very good against. So uh, he's got two more games these next two weeks against, you know, easy competition, the 011 Bengals coming up, uh, the Dolphins after that at home, a team he struggled against, you know, in Miami two times in a row now over these last two years. So uh, for him to get have these game, great performances against bad teams, it still has a lot of value. You want to be sure that You know, he can dominate these great teams and he'll have some tougher competition later in the season against the Ravens uh, in Baltimore against the Bills and Buffalo. Those are two really tough matchups against uh, and two of the toughest places to play. And then the Steelers who have a really good pass rush, although that one's at home. But uh, over the stretch against bad teams, you want him to show you that, you know, we can go. You want him to prove that, you know, going into 2020, we can feel confident he's going to be able to beat up on bad teams with consistency and then hopefully he can develop you know playing well in those tougher games on the road against good teams and you know just when you play teams like the Patriots so and we will be able to see that uh, towards the end of the season uh, we'll get a couple tough matchups but right now he's dominating the bad competition uh, he's putting up high volume high efficiency performances at a rate that very few people or you know almost nobody has been able to do at his age and you know even without the age qualifier just early this early in his career uh, he's with mostly very good names who have been able to have as many uh, performances of the caliber that he's had at this stage of his career.
2: Michael, make no mistake about it. These are elite numbers, and it's putting Darnold in the company of some pretty awesome quarterbacks, guys like Patrick Mahomes, Kurt Warner, Tony Romo, Dan Marino, the absolute cream of the crop, And if you look at how he's stacking up with the other 2018 rookies, they've all been on fire. Between Darnold and Lamar Jackson, they have been kicking butt big time lately the last couple of weeks. Darnold's still got a long way to go to prove that he belongs on that top level on a permanent basis. But the early returns are really exciting. It's impossible not to get amped up about it if you're a Jets fan.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's really just the high points that he's been showing. I mean, you just look at his career game log and put him put it put it up against Baker Mayfield, put it up against Josh Allen, even Lamar Jackson who has been incredible. He's been near perfect, but his performances have, you know, consistently come in games where he only has to throw 20, 25 passes because the Ravens are so good, he's so good that he barely has to do anything, but Darnold, you know, with the circumstances, the Jets have generally not been good. They've not been able to blow out teams that often. And even over these past two games where they have blown out the Raiders and Redskins, uh, they still asked him to do quite a bit. And he's been uh, the frequency at which he's had these games where he's thrown, you know, 29 over up to like, you know, 38, close to 40 passes. It's still been extremely efficient is it's really staggering. It's really impressive. Uh, You look at the number of games that he's had, you know, like that, putting up, You know, high 200 into the 300s and passing yards, but still being over eight, nine, sometimes over 10 yards per attempt, uh, like he was this past week against the Raiders. It's really impressive. And obviously the down points are there. We're only a few weeks removed from where he couldn't do anything against the tanking Dolphins defense, where he threw three interceptions against the Jaguars, who now have the same record as the Jets do. Uh, the incredible game against the Patriots, which was incredible for all the wrong reasons. Uh, so we're still only a couple weeks removed from that. So the low points are there, and you want him to be able to show you uh, that he can go long stretches without those games. Every quarterback has games like that, but uh, you would like to like for it to not be as infrequent as it has been for him over these first two years. But he is still 22 years old. He's younger than Joe Burrow, who's going to get drafted really high next year. He's still uh, not even until next year is he going to be as old as Baker Mayfield was. When he made his first start, he's about the same age as Daniel Jones. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of time uh, to figure this out. Not an infinite amount of time. You want to see the progression sooner rather than later. But uh, we're starting to see now three games in a row he's been really efficient. You know, four games out of seven since coming back, he's been really, really good. If you include that Cowboys game, and uh, the Jets have a four and three record up. You know, you take out the mono game. Uh, assuming he was playing with it against the Bills. They're 4-3 and three with him healthy this season, which is a really good step forward from last season when they were 4-9 uh, with him in the lineup. So, you know, he's taken a, uh, some really solid steps forward this season, but the key now is uh, they got five games left. You got two more games against uh, competition. He should continue beating up on these next two weeks, uh, and then you got three tougher games down the stretch. So the key is just being consistent over these uh, final few games. And even if he can't, you know, beat up the Ravens, beat up the Steelers or the Bills, you know, just be okay, just be decent, give them a chance, just avoid these you know, really low games that he's had. So uh, the consistency is the key of you know, every athlete ever. So And it's the same thing with him. Consistency is extremely huge. He's been great these past three weeks, but now he's got to prove he can be great again uh, over these next two games against really bad teams. And then over these final three games against tougher teams, just you know, allow the Jets to be competitive. This is still a team that's really banged up, really low on talent, the amount of injuries that they've had. Uh, so just to keep them competitive against those three teams at the end would be impressive for him. But staying away from those you know, down, down performances like the ones we saw a few weeks ago is really important.
2: You had some interesting observations about the offensive line, too, Michael.
1: Yeah, so Calvin Beecham now starting to look like an X factor. And you know we've criticized the offensive line plenty this season, but uh, Calvin Beecham's playing pr- uh, pretty well right now. He's given up only three pressures over his past four games, one each in the first three of those, and none against the Raiders this past weekend. All those were just hurries, no hits, no sacks allowed. And in those four games, the Jets have gone 4-0. He played in the Cowboys game when Darnold came back, was good in that one, against the Marcus Lawrence and Robert Quinn. They won that one. Then he went out for three games. The Jets lost all three of those. Now he's come back, and the Jets have won three in a row. Now, of course, uh, playing against weaker competition is part of that, but still, Since Darnold came back, the Jets are 4-0 with Beecham. He's played really well in those games. And they're 0-3 without him. And the Jets' offensive line was brutal, brutal in those three games against the Patriots, uh, Jaguars, and Dolphins. So he's playing really solidly in pass protection. Not so much in the run game, which we know has never been his strength. And the Jets still overall, although they're doing better in the run game, still not where you'd like to be. It it just feels like an improvement because they're, you know, not Completely awful, but they're still below average with the run blocking. But uh, Beachum's pass protecting really well right now, and the Jets are 4 0, and they have a healthy Darnold and a healthy Beachum in the lineup. So, and, and you go back to Darnold's last season now, or you know, over the course of his 21 starts, uh, he's now 8 and 4 when taking two sacks or less. And you know, obviously, every quarterback is going to play better, and they don't get you know, hit as much, pressured as much, but that's still above the league average. The league average. Uh, over the past few seasons, in games where the court where the team takes two sacks or less, is about 6.36. So Darnold at eight forty at eight eight and four is at about a 6.67 win percentage, so slightly above that or right around it. Uh, and when he has taken three sacks or more, he's gone 0 and nine. So he's yet to win a start uh, when he's been sacked three times or more. And the league average win percentage in that scenario is about uh, about 3.30. So uh, even though Obviously, the, uh, you're going to win more. The quarterback's going to play better when you take less sacks. Again, there's still, you know, an expectation, still a bar to clear or be below. And uh, when he's been, when he's got had the time, when he's been sacked two times or less, he's won about as much as you'd expect the average quarterback to win at just 21 years old, playing with uh, some pretty poor circumstances. But when he's taken three sacks or more, and the pressure's been there, he's really struggled uh, to get it done. So that's another thing you'd like to see him. Uh, do do better job with you know when the pressure has been there because, like we said, without Beecham, the offensive line is terrible. The pass protection was really bad in those three games, and he really struggled uh, to deal with that pressure, during eight interceptions over those three games without Beecham, where the offensive line is really bad. But and now things are going well for him; he's performing you know very solidly. So another positive sign for him would be you know to see him have performances where he can play really well, even though the pressure is there. And he did that down the stretch of last season in those Texans and Packers games. Things weren't really going his way, especially against the Texans. Uh, the offensive line was really not good. The run game didn't do him any favors, and he still played really well, even though the Jets didn't win. But just to see him have some good performances, and even though, even when things aren't going his way, it would be good because things aren't going to go his way in every single game of the course of his career. You know, hopefully the Jets do build a good offensive line, and if they are going to be a championship contender, they're going to have to even if you do have a good offensive line, there are going to be games where the pressure come. the pressure is just coming constantly and things are not, uh, circumstances aren't favorable for you. So you want him to be able to prove that, you know, he can win a game where the pressure is there and things aren't going his way. And we've seen him have good performances, even though the wins, like I said, the Texans game, he performed well. I don't remember how many sacks he took in that game, but the offensive line wasn't good. The run game wasn't good. There were drops, missed field goals, and he still played extremely well, even though the Jets lost the game. So, but just to see more performances, uh, performances like that would be really good. Obviously, ideally, the offensive line continues playing well, so he can keep having these great performances and showing you how good he can be uh, when things are going well. Ideally, that does happen, but you know, if they don't, you still would like to see Darnold be able to show uh, that he can be competitive, potentially lead the Jets to a win uh, in a game where he has to take you know a lot of sacks, a lot of pressure
2: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Michael, if Sam Darnold is going to be that weapon that we hope that he can be over the course of his career, he's going to need his weapons to step up. And two of the weapons that he has at his disposal right now have done pretty well. One of them is Ryan Griffin, who just signed that extension. The other, Robbie Anderson, not entirely sure whether or not he's going to be here next year, but he still had some pretty nice moments with Sam Darnold. As you said before, some high highs. Talk to me about the interesting tidbits you found on Ryan Griffin and Robbie Anderson.
1: Yeah, so Ryan Griffin, obviously the man of the extension just a few days ago. He's been an unexpected red zone weapon for the Jets. He's always been a solid receiver. He hasn't really had the numbers to back it up, but he was never really a big touchdown scorer. The five he has this season is already his career best, and he's got four of those uh, touchdown receptions in the red zone that's tied for the fourth most red zone touchdowns among tight ends this season. And just to show how inept the Jets have been in the red zone the past few years, that's already the most red zone touchdowns in a season by a Jet uh, since Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker had 10 each in 2015. So uh, just four red zone touchdowns for Griffin in 11 games, already more than any Jet has had in one season in almost a half decade. So it's the most by a Jet's tight end since Dustin Keller at 5 in 2011. So uh, he's really stepped up uh, kind of out of nowhere. You know They've had to get more out of him than they probably expected they would need of Chris Herndon's injury but uh, he's stepped up done a really good job obviously blocking is not something he's good at his run blocking has been pretty bad this year kind of been one of the bigger reasons they haven't been able to run the ball but in the receiving game he's been giving you just about all you could ask for and especially in the red zone Um, over these past few weeks he's stepped up as a really good frequent target uh, target for Sam Darnold and he's uh, among the leaders in red zone touchdowns among tight ends but Robbie Anderson also has now been stepping up in the red zone, he scored in the red zone in back-to-back games. Uh, he's now got, uh, he had only one red zone touchdown over his first 42 career games. Now he's four in his past 15. You go back to last season, he had the two scramble touchdowns, the really amazing plays with Darnold in the Bills and Texans games back-to-back. Now over these past two weeks against the Redskins and now the Raiders with red zone touchdowns. So just uh, a good sign of his the diversification of his game just expanding. Uh, what he can do, what he can bring to the table. Uh, having only one red zone score or uh, one red d- red zone touchdown over his first 42 games in the league, and that was from 18 yards out against the Dolphins back in 2017. So in the red zone, but not like a short yardage touchdown. But these four touchdowns he's got in his past 15 games, four red zone touchdowns, uh, all those were within, I believe, five yards or maybe six yards, one of them was. But all of them were really short yardage, especially these past couple over these past two weeks, so it's really good sign for him to see that you know four red zone touchdowns in sixteen games is you know for a deep threat receiver, a guy whose primary part of his game is getting down the field, that's really solid. So for him to do uh, have four of those in his past fifteen games, that's really solid production in the red zone for him. So if he can maintain that going forward, you know if he uh, stays with the Jets, that'd be huge going forward. If you can get if you can get four red zone touchdowns a season out Robbie Anderson, a guy who is uh, you know under two hundred pounds or maybe about that. A guy whose primary game is speed, getting down the field, uh, taking the top off the defense. That's tremendous production. So he's got a really good rapport going with Sam Darnold uh, in the red zone since the end of last season.
2: Ryan Griffin re-signed, so he's going to be in the fold for the foreseeable future. Robbie Anderson is an unknown, but one guy that I think that the Jets should definitely look to lock down is Brian Poole. He has been playing outstanding this season. And he's not the only one in that secondary. We know about Jamal Adams. We know Marcus may has been a little up and down, although he played pretty well against the Raiders. But the two unexpected pleasant surprises in that secondary in the last couple of weeks have been Blessing Austin and Arthur Millett at cornerback. You dug up some really cool factoids about Millett, Austin, and Brian Poole. What do you got?
1: Yeah, these guys have just come out of nowhere to give the Jets. Well, Brian Poole has been great all season, but Millette and Austin have really come out of nowhere uh, to save a position that's been fledgling all season for the Jets. You started with Tremaine Johnson. He's awful. He's on IR now. Daryl Roberts has been there all season. You know, he has had some decent games, but more so some really bad games. Nate Harrison's, uh originally came in for Tremaine Johnson, and you know he's getting the height that these guys are now. Uh, he's started out. He started off really well, but. He was really bad over his uh, final few games before he got injured. Uh, Now Austin and and Millette have come in, and they've played really, really well. Obviously, they started off those two good games against, you know, competition that you'd like to see them be good against, two rookie quarterbacks in Jones and Haskins. They were good in those games, but the Raiders were going to be a better test I was definitely going into that game, something maybe the top thing I was looking out for on defense, uh, how these guys were going to do against a team that's seventh in the league and pass offense DVOA uh, entered that game as uh, in that ranking. So a really good passing offense, and they were up to the test. Brian Poole is not targeted a single time against the Raiders. Millett, six sketches on seven targets for 33 yards, just one first down. Uh, Austin three catches six targets twenty four yards two first downs so a uh, very limited production against one of the better passing teams in the in the league uh, and both of these guys from run support too now Millette did have some bad missed tackles uh, uh, specifically in the passing game but in run support these guys are really active Austin had a huge stop on the fourth and one play that was kind of the turning point in the second half or maybe the final nail in the coffin for the Raiders Austin made that happen along with uh, Marcus May uh, Arthur Millette was one of the most active run defenders. In this game, we know Brian Poole can lay the hits. So, uh, but specifically, Austin and Millett have been really active in uh, run support. I'm kind of more confident in Austin going forward because some of these missed tackles that Millett has had, Austin hasn't really had as much. But still, he uh, Arthur, Arthur Millett has been playing really well as well. He has not given up anything over the top. He's uh, been active in run defense. But uh, over the last three weeks now, among cornerbacks with at least 70 cover snaps, these three guys are each among the top seven in the league, and fewest yards allowed per cover snap, Brian Poole's number one. And on the season, Poole's actually third among all cornerbacks and fewest yards allowed per cover snap. But over these past three weeks, Poole number one, Austin number five, Millett number seven. So these guys are playing really well right now. And, uh, you know, having done this now against a really good offense in the Raiders, that is a team that's shredded a lot of defenses this season, um, that is definitely a huge uh, proving point for them. And, uh, you know, three games does not make a player. They're still plenty of time left in the season Baltimore's coming up in a few weeks that'll be a tough test for them but uh, right now they're playing really really well and like we talked about Darnold just because you're playing bad competition it doesn't you know uh, take away the value of what you're doing because you know just before the Giants game, we saw uh, Daryl Roberts and Nate Harrison get shredded by Ryan Fitzpatrick so uh, just because you're playing well against uh, bad competition it doesn't you know, take away from what you're doing because you know some guys can't play well against that bad competition, and you still want to be able to do it with consistency, and they did that against Jones and Haskins. Now they added a good performance against a good team. So uh, just like Darnold's going to uh, try and prove that he can uh, continue to dominate bad teams, now Austin and Millett have to go out and show that they can uh, keep this going against Andy Dahl and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So these guys are playing really well right now, and it's uh, it's huge for the Jets going forward if we can come out of this season Feeling like if we can come out of this season with Blesson Austin and Arthur Millette having played a full second half of elite cornerback, that would be huge for them uh, going into next season. So, still five games left for them to prove that. But if that can happen, that would be huge, huge for them going into next season with the amount of holes uh, that they have. And Brian Poole has been elite all season, got the pick six against uh, the Raiders this, uh, this past week. Obviously, Neville Hewitt kind of made that happen, but still, it was good to see Poole get. Uh, get that big play just to kind of... He's been playing great all season, so it was good to see him get rewarded with that. So uh, him on a one-year deal, the Jets have a decision to make on him. Do they invest in that breakout year? Sock corner is a, really, uh, very, a, a position that's hard to really stay consistent with year to year. It's really volatile. So they do have a tough decision on him. But with Millette and Austin having those guys under control, specifically Austin, if they can finish as strongly as they played these past three weeks, it would be a huge asset for them going into next season.
2: The missed tackles for Millett, certainly something to improve upon. But, Michael, we know this is a passing league, and so the primary responsibility of a cornerback is always going to be to cover the opposing wide receivers. Both Austin and Millett have done a really good job of that so far, although we should caution, Michael, it is, of course, a small sample size.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's only three games. Two of them were against Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins, who are rookies who have been among the less uh, less productive, over-the-top quarterbacks in the league. The season near the bottom there, but you know, having that good performance against Carr and a Raiders team that was seventh in pass offense, DVA coming in is impressive. But it's three games; there's still five left. Uh, we we're going to see more from them than we've seen so far, as long as they stay healthy. So uh, even if they finish the second half strong, it would only be half of the season. So uh, very promising, but uh, every single game is uh, just another opportunity for them to uh, add some more legitimacy to what they've been doing.
0: Play like a Jet.
2: Play like a Jet. Michael, as I said, it is a passing league, but it is nice to have a really strong run defense because it takes away an important element of an opposing team, especially a team like the Raiders, who coming into the game against the Jets had a really good rushing attack. The rookie Josh Jacobs out of Alabama had been one of the best running backs in the league, but the Jets held him in check. Just over 30 yards rushing. They made him look very ordinary. This is a unit that has continued to get better every week. There were questions as to whether or not they were just putting up stats against weak teams. The Raiders are not a weak team. They have a particularly good offensive line, a particularly good running attack, and the Jets absolutely smashed them. This is a unit that is getting the job done week in, week out, and they are getting stronger and stronger as the season goes on.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is now 10 games in a row the Jets have held their opponent to under four yards per rush, uh, which is incredible. Uh, That's the longest streak in Jets history. Uh, They've held opponents to under three and a half yards per rush and zero rushing touchdowns in five straight games. And this is now a three-week span they've held Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley to career lows in total rush yards and yards per carry. So uh, they're playing incredible. Austin and Millett are a part of that. But, I mean, Nathan Shepard has really come on, and a guy who did absolutely nothing last year has – uh, really developed a season. He's playing really well. Thadakasi, we know what he's doing. Quinn and Williams is playing his role solidly. Steve McClendon, Henry Anderson, everyone's really getting involved uh, in this run defense. And it's it's really incredible because, I mean, the inside linebackers, Neville Hewitt and James Burgess, they they make a good amount of plays, but they also miss a really good amount of tackles. But the Jets are still playing really good run defense. Jamal Adams has been as much a part of it as anybody, but Greg Williams, too, has really been doing a tremendous job this defense. This is a Jets defense that has allowed the 11th fewest points per drive, even though they've been missing numerous first and second team players at, uh, you know, positions across the defense. You're missing Mosley, Williamson, uh, Cashman, who, even though, I mean, missing Cashman is an upgrade, but don't tell anyone else that I said that, but uh, you're missing Mosley, you're missing Williamson and, you know, you're missing cornerbacks, just so many injuries on this defense. Um, And they played with the worst average starting field position in the league by wide margin. They started on average at their own 32-yard line, which is over a yard worse than any other team, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a huge difference between them and the rest of the league. The worst average starting field position, numerous injuries, uh, including to two of the best run defending inside linebackers in the league and one of those two being mostly one of the most complete linebackers. In the league, and they're still a top eleven defense in points per drive and top ten in DVOA, so they're playing uh, really well in spite of the circumstances. And you know, they're just good, period. But the fact that they are good with everything that's gone on, such a testament to Greg Williams and and the development we're seeing now with Arthur Millette, plus on Austin Nathan Shepard, who I talked about, who looks like a completely different player, and it's something you didn't really expect uh, as a guy coming into the league. As old as he was, I believe he's 25 years old now, which is incredible for a second-year player, but he's developed uh, Fadakasi, what he's been doing. So Greg Williams making a team that completely depleted, getting no help from the offense, uh, is really young, and they're playing really well under him. And now he's getting progression out of some young players that could be a part of the team going forward. So he is doing... Uh, Greg Williams might be the Jets' MVP this season, honestly. Outside maybe Sam Darnold, whose return has you know changed everything, but Greg Williams... Uh, what he's been able to do with this defense in spite of everything is uh, really, really impressive. And especially because now he's starting to groom some guys who could help the team uh, going forward into the into 2020 and beyond.
2: With the job he's doing with the Jets this season, Greg Williams is starting to get into that Wade Phillips territory. Where he may never get another shot at a head coaching job again as anything more than an interim head coach. Partially because he's failed in the past, but also partially because of all that stuff that went on with Bounty Gate. But much like with Wade Phillips, I think that a lot of people have realized, especially now with the job that he's done with the Jets, when you combine it with the job that he's done in so many other places, that he's an elite defensive coordinator, and if he is the guy that's calling the shots on the defensive side of the ball for your team, your defense is in really good hands.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and like and like I said, just the fact that the Jets have been not, not even not terrible or average. They've been a good defense, even though they've had to deal with so much. And it, it's just really impressive. And and the hole really seems like it's greater than the sum of his parts. Because uh, like I said, this run defense, this is easily the best run defense in the league. But there, there are some players on this team who have struggled in, in run defense. The inside linebackers have been uh, okay, but like I said, they missed a lot of tackles. James Burgess and Neville Hewitt have, and when Blake Cashman was out there, he was really struggling in run defense. But the Jets are still up there, and Quentin Williams too hasn't been. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is his usage, but he hasn't been as dominant as expected. But they've been able to find a way to use him to just you know play a part, play a role in the overall team success more so than individual success. He's done a really good job doing what they've asked of him, and it's really helped the run defense. So uh, he's done a really good job, but now over these past few weeks, we've started to see the progression of a few young players. Actually, most of them, like McCagnan draft picks, who uh, you know are under contract going forward and can be a part of this team turning it around. So the fact that he's doing that now uh, is really positive. And you know, with, with a lot of these injuries, I think you know missing Blake Cashman and Tremaine Johnson actually might make the team better. But that doesn't even have to be the case. As bad as those guys were when they're in there, there's a reason they're higher on the depth chart than guys who are below them it's because the coaching staff thought they were better but you know these guys have come in but uh blessed on austin arthur Millette, uh and then even even hewitt and burgess who i don't think have played that well are a little bit overrated because they miss a lot of tackles and struggle in coverage but uh they're a part of one of the best run defenses in the nfl and a team that's playing solidly in pass defense now so uh it, it's really impressive what greg williams has done the jets defense being uh average would be an accomplishment the jets defense being Not the worst in the league would be an accomplishment, but the Jets defense being uh, one of the top 10 teams in the league and grooming young talent going forward is really, really impressive what he's done.
2: No question about it. Greg Williams has done a fantastic job. He's done so well that it would even motivate some people to go buy tickets for a game. And if you're going to do that this Sunday, you want to make that trip to Cincinnati for the Jets and the Bengals. Make sure you download the Vivid Seats mobile app and get yourself an excellent ticket because you don't want to travel all the way to Cincinnati to sit in the nosebleeds. And if you're going to buy yourself an excellent ticket, get a great deal with the Vivid Seats mobile app, which will allow you to get up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase if you use the promo code OVERTIME. Even if you don't want to go to that game, there's plenty of other stuff you can use that promo code for. You can go see a concert, a basketball game, a hockey game. Anything you want to see, you can use that promo code to get yourself some really good seats. Just download the Vivid Seats mobile app, enter the promo code Overtime, and you'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. Now, Michael, you put together some other really awesome stats here this week that I'm going to call odds and ends because they don't really fit into any specific category, but they're certainly worth mentioning. So why don't you go ahead and share them with us?
1: Yeah, so just a couple of the weird milestones that the Jets hit uh, with their 34-3 Uh, Extremely fun blowout win against the Raiders. So uh, back-to-back, three-plus score wins for the Jets now over the Redskins and the Raiders. That's uh, at least 17 points. Uh, It's the first time the Jets have won back-to-back games by three scores or more since weeks 11 to 12 of 2002. So it's been 17 years since the Jets have gone uh, back-to-back games with three score wins, which is uh, just mind-blowing. It's their biggest margin of victory at home since week 17 of 2010 which is when they at the same margin against the bills uh, last season they did have a 31 point win against the lions obviously that was in detroit on the season opener but their biggest at home since the bills win uh in week 17 of 2010 and 34 sh- uh, points in three straight games exactly for the jets first team ever to score exactly 34 points in three straight games so i guess that's the the magic number for the jets this year you got brian Poole who's balling out wearing number 34 and you got uh, the Jets now at three and zero with uh, thirty four points in three straight games. First team ever to do that. So, and also this was the fewest points allowed by the Jets uh, since their thirty two to three win over the Jaguars in Week Two of the twenty eleven season. That was the last time that uh, they held a the team to just three points. So this was a blowout of, for the Jet, Jet by Jet standards, uh, historical proportions for the jets here against the raiders not often you've seen them uh, hold teams to that low scoring not often you see teams uh, see them blow a team out by that much you know period the the weirdness of scoring exactly 34 in three straight games uh and also you know blowing teams out by at least three scores in back-to-back games not something they've done a lot and i feel like there have been a lot of games where the jets had three score leads and kind of let teams tack on a few extra points at the end when the game is over like they did against the redskins a game they're uh Leading by a lot, actually, they were winning that game thirty-four to three until they uh, gave up those two touchdowns at the end. So I feel like there have been games like that, but you know, at least by the final score, first time the Jets have won back-to-back games by at least three scores since two thousand two.
2: Michael, it's that time—time time to ask the question that's on everybody's mind.
1: What you
0: talking about? What you
1: talking
2: about? What you talking about? What you talking about? PFF, <laughs> what do you got this week?
1: I honestly have to give it to them this week. There's nothing too egregious. Uh, Pretty much everyone got about the credit I'd give them. The only things uh, that I'd kind of disagree with is Nathan Shepard got a really bad grade in this game, third worst on the defense ahead of Burgess and Hewitt. I agreed those two at the bottom, but I think Shepard played pretty well in this game, so I think he deserves uh, to be higher. Jamal Adams was third in this game. Austin and Millett were the top two uh, defensive players on the team, which I agree with, but I do think maybe Adams could be Higher than them, but overall, really nothing too bad this week. And it's not too often that we say this, but uh, good job, PFF. They did a good job grading this game, I think.
2: As you said, Michael, credit where credit is due. PFF actually did a pretty good job with their grading system this week in the Jets Raiders game. Nine out of ten times, we're going to come on here and trash PFF with some really egregious examples of their ridiculous grading system. But as this past week with the Jets and Raiders proves once again, even a blind squirrel can find an acorn once in a while, right?
1: That's definitely true. We know that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Michael Nania of Gangrene Nation, turn on the jets.com, elite sports, New York. Yard Barker, and now joining the ranks of the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, over at JetsInsider.com. You have got your hands full, my man, but I hope you're able to take a few minutes, a few hours, or even a few days off for Thanksgiving. Not sure what you're doing, but I hope it involves eating a whole lot of turkey and watching a whole lot of football. I'm sure you got plenty of stuff cooking, so why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what's coming down the pike.
1: Yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. I tweet out pretty much everything. Going to be starting at Jets Insider. Uh, By the time this is out, probably my first uh, piece with them has been out. But excited to start uh, working with the very big deal. Chris Nimbley over there. Should be fun going forward. But uh, looking forward to the Jets playing the Bengals this week. Should be, uh, uh, hopefully could be fourth uh, win in a row. And like you said, this show is a lot more fun when the Jets are out there destroying teams, so we have some positive stuff to talk about. So let's, let's hope we have some more uh, next week.
2: Go ahead and follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nanny, N A N I A. Read his work in the 655 different places that he puts it out. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets.com.